strong. Ash. Bone. And sickle. Bleeding saints and forest witches. The past unburied. The books unsealed. The old celebration returning. Hello and welcome to my study. Please uh, have a seat. The gentleman standing on my right here is Wilkinson, my valet, who assists in uh, pulling books and uh, reading any specific quotations presented in our little show. Pleased to meet you. So we have now entered the season of Advent and do seem to be on new footing. Uh, Wilkinson has done a fine job hanging the greenery here and the main hall and it looks quite festive. Thank you, sir. I'm pleased you like it. Yes, a lovely bit of color. And of course, bringing the holly indoors uh, traditionally would function as an invitation to benevolent nature spirits to shelter here with us. Even the Christians connected the holly with Christ's uh, grace, the berries uh, symbolizing drops of the holy blood. Well, those thorns were quite formidable. There was a drop or two of my blood before all the garlands were hung. That may have played a role too, but the point is something's keeping the cat at bay and, and that's good. It has been quite a while since we've heard it. Not since the holly went up. But if I may ask, sir, what do you mean that uh, may have played a role too? Nothing. Me pricking my fingers could hardly have been helpful. A, a blood offering to our feline nemesis, of course. I'm joking. It's a joke. Don't you want me to be happy? I apologize, sir. Of course, I appreciate your wit. You just had me thinking how eager you were for that tissue I'd bled on, snatching it away to throw it in the fireplace? <laughs> did, did you want to keep it? And you sitting there muttering uh, at the flames? Well, it's, it's, it's hardly a sacrifice unless it's set up in smoke. <laughs> really, you and Mark act as if I believe all this stuff. I, I, I have a certain reverence uh, or fondness for the, the old uh, traditions, but hanging of the greens and so forth, but, but there's, there's no, no, no need to make me out to be a lunatic. I do apologize, sir. If you're irritable about your Christmas bonus, it's on the way. This is supposed to be a season for bright spirits and revelry, jokes, it's not resentment and suspicion. That's certainly not on my mind, sir. Your generosity is always greatly appreciated, as is your wit. Well, it seems that there are some new conditions on exchanging dollars for gold, and uh, Mr. Cassidy from the bank's not going to be able to make it out here till next week, so uh, you'll just have to be patient. I do appreciate your flair for the dramatic, sir. Gold certainly makes for a better presentation. There's no denying it. Well, I, I don't believe in handing people cash or checks. It's gauche. I thought you enjoyed our little holiday game. Oh, certainly. Certainly I do. It's always a thrill hunting for gold you've hidden in the house. It's good sport, and I genuinely look forward to it. If you don't want to wear the hat this year, you don't have to. 
I have no objection to the hat if it amuses you. Well, it, it okay. Now it seems we are on better footing. So, uh, as I was saying, let's begin our show. Episode sixteen: The Haunted Season. So uh, this is your host Al Ridenauer, and this is a Bone and Sickle. An exploration of the uh, historical intertwining of horror and folklore. Uh, for the past dozen or more episodes, I've been mentioning my book, The uh, Krampus and the Old Dark Christmas, as inspiration for this series. Last time we heard material related to the uh, Krampus end of things. And uh, this time we'll be focusing on the uh, Old Dark Christmas bits. Um, a big thanks to all of you who have... Uh, been supporting this podcast via our Patreon. Along with this podcast, I also organize Krampus events and present talks on the subject, so it's a busy time of year when I would be uh, tempted, perhaps, to uh, cut back on the show, but your generosity keeps the episodes coming. And um, I'll have some details on rewards available for supporters uh, of the show at the end of the program. So let's enjoy a little of the uh, old dark stuff for the sort of Christmas I know our listeners would enjoy. Up until at least 1860, when uh, German folk superstitions of the present was written, uh, Christmas and werewolves went hand in hand. The seasonal fear of these beasts was so great that simply to utter the word wolf between Christmas and Epiphany or even during the entire month of December, was to put oneself at risk. To avoid being uh, torn apart by werewolves, as the book has it, um, one should replace the word wolf with uh, the word enemy or pest or some other circumlocution less likely to summon the beast. December 13th, St. Uh, Lucy's Night, also appears as a uh, favored time for werewolf transformations and attacks, according to testimonies in 16th century werewolf trials. It was not just the werewolf that haunted the snowy forests and mountains this time of year. It was not just the Krampus. Along with witches and spirits of the dead, the season brought encounters with the Drud, a sort of night hag that smothered and sickened sleepers and could only be repelled by the uh, Drudenfuss or pentagram or Drud's foot. In uh, alpine regions, families listened for the eerie cry of the demonic goat-like Habegeis. In marshes, travelers feared the Nebelfrau or Mistwoman, who, like a will-o'-the-wisp, seduced travelers from the safety of established paths. Impending death might be announced by the arrival of the Zelfogel, or soul bird, whose claws transported the doomed to the other side. The nocturnal forests and moors swarmed with spirits. The Moosweigel, a moss woman, the Holzleute, the wood folk, or the Schratzen, the forest goblins. Even places of industry were endangered by malevolent beings this time of year. The Mailweigel, or the flower woman, could drag the miller into the grinding gears of his mill. And the Drondel, a sort of goblin haunting the glowing depths of the glass furnace, could emerge to destroy the day's work, or even set the foundry ablaze. Historical and semi-historical figures too joined the season's ranks of threatening ghosts and spirits. 
frightening travelers in the lower Bavarian forest was uh, Voidhaus Miech, a monstrously large and powerful cowherd said to occasionally devour the raw flesh of his own animals, dispatching them with his uh, weapon of choice, a dried bear claw, which would, of course, divert blame to more natural predators of the forest. And in the same region, Chatelaine Maria Freyen of Castle Rammelsberg lived on as the witch Vecklin, condemned to dance in burning slippers during the 12 nights of Christmas because she once used her own slipper to beat to death a child who'd spilled some milk. Even the forest prophet Muhiazi of Apoig, after his death in 1805, became a sort of seasonal phantom, thanks to his uh, eerie prophecies of human extermination that caused him to be refused burial on consecrated ground. Werner Herzog, by the way, made an excellent uh, film inspired by this figure, his 1976 production Heart of Glass, which was made all the more eerie by the fact that uh, most of the cast was said to have been put into a hypnotic trance before performing before the cameras, as you might be able to tell from this clip. During the time leading up to Christmas, even the saints themselves twisted into sinister forms during the uh, month of December, just as the Krampus arose as a sinister counterpart to St. Nicholas on his day. Around nightfall on December 4th, St. Barbara's Day, in the town of Zonthofen and a few other communities in the upper Algoi region of the uh, Bavarian Alps, there appear groups of strange figures known as the Berbala or Barbaras, or sometimes they're called the Wild Barbaras. Dressed in um, old-fashioned peasant skirts and aprons and kerchiefs, they each carry switches and wear a cowbell or two. But their most distinctive trait uh, would be their masks, each handcrafted and covered in a weird mosaic of lichen and moss and bits of acorn or pine cone and other forest materials. Uh, in Zonthofen, roughly uh, 80 barbers annually sweep through the town's central pedestrian areas, administering blows to those approaching too close and awarding uh, apples and cookies or nuts to well-behaved children and their mothers, not the men so much. On December 13th, St. Lucy's Day, the Schiachelutz, or bad or ugly Lucy, or the Blaudegelutz, the bloody Lucy, um, once appeared in Bavaria and Austria. She was described as ugly, ragged, and disheveled, uh, and likewise equipped with a gutty knife or sickle, or sometimes a ladle wielded as a club. And she might also sport an iron nose. Around uh, Wunsiedel, Bavaria, she was appeased with food offerings in hopes that she would bless rather than curse the fields, and was sometimes impersonated by costume villagers who might appear wrapped in white sheets, usually veiled or masked. The uh, Lutz, as she was called, might creep quietly into homes, surprising occupants with frightful bleating sounds uh, before disappearing, or she might boldly announce herself, holding her empty bowl and knife and crying, A bowl full of blood! A bowl full of guts! In the Bavarian forest, she might be costumed as a horned nanny goat, or accompanied by the goat-like Habergeis, or other monsters. In the town of Tettenweiss, she appeared in a straw robe armed with a knife. In the area around Osterhofen, she wore a blood-red coat and pointed cap. In Landau an der Isa, she had the reputation for throwing disobedient children into the river. In Eisenstein, she wound intestines of gutted children on her distaff. In 
Wilstal, uh, she appeared holding a bloody human head on a plate. And in Grafenau, she was said to scrape away the tongue or skins of naughty children with broken glass. Around December 21st, St. Thomas Day, another monstrous figure appeared in the villages of Lower Bavaria and its Bavarian forest. This demon or ogre went by the name Bloody Thomas, or Hammer Thomas, referring to the large blood-drenched hammer he was said to brandish. Because December 21st was a traditional day of slaughter and sausage making in the region, many believe the figure was inspired by the uh, impressions made by blood-drenched butchers out and about on that day. It's also said on this night St. Thomas would appear at midnight in a chariot of fire and fly to the churchyard to rendezvous with the dead. He would call from their graves all who were baptized in his name, and all these Thomas souls would gather in prayer, thereby causing a cross set up over the graveyard to strangely luminesce. The most intensely feared period of all was the 12 days between Christmas and Epiphany, January 6th. For most Americans, these 12 days have little significance beyond partridges and pear trees and a vague notion of extended merriment in uh, picturesque old England. But in the folklore of German-speaking lands, where the 12s, die Zulte, are counted, it's not a matter of days, but uneasy nights. The period is regarded as a sort of calendrical limbo and it's one year dissolves into the other and the otherworldly leaks into the mundane. In Germany's Vogtland, it's referred to as the uh, between nights, the internights, or the undernights. In other regions, it's the Losnächte, or oracle nights, because fortune-telling was common. The most common name, however, is the uh, Raunächte, a term probably uh, etymologically related to the word for smoke, Rauch, uh, thanks to the practice of burning incense uh, in homes and stables and barns during these nights to drive off evil influences. There are also a number of Lehmbräuche, or noise customs, as the Germans have it, um, associated with the, this uh, same period, um, originating, of course, in historical attempts to use noise to frighten off evil spirits. So, chief here would be the use of cow or goat bells, unused during the winter months otherwise, the type you see worn on the waists of Krampuses. But there was also a particularly choreographed form of uh, whip-snapping, Goazelschnalzen, and Böhleschützen, uh, uh, with the firing of cannons to drive off malevolent forces. A surprisingly large number of regionally diverse and sometimes contradictory superstitions cluster around these nights, the Raunechte, along with the notion of opening doors or windows to facilitate the passage of ghosts through the land, clotheslines or hanging laundry were not to be left out uh, on those nights for fear of entangling flying spirits. Uh, on New Year's Eve, it was specifically the back door that was to be opened because only through this door could good luck arrive. All others were to remain shut. Doors were to be closed quietly, as slamming doors on New Year's Eve caused lightning strikes in the coming year. Spinning wheels, wagon wheels, or geared machines were to be stopped, as only the wheel of fortune was to turn on these portentous days. 
Women and children would not go uh, unescorted after sunset for fear of the wild hunter, roving spirits, witches, and werewolves. But those who did venture out might be rewarded with wondrous sights. At midnight on Christmas Eve, running brooks turned to wine. The bees buzzed and swarmed in the frigid air and standing under an apple tree, one might look up and see the heavens open. At that same hour, animals spoke in their pens, stalls, and stables. Their utterances could reveal the future, but none could share these secrets as death would quickly overcome any who witnessed and shared the miracle. And for unmarried women, the identity of one's future lover or bridegroom was best discovered during the Raunishta. Tyrolean women put an ear against the side of a warming oven, straining to make out prophetic sounds. Music foretold a coming wedding, while the sound of bells represented a death knell for the listener. A young woman who waited at the crossroads during a Raunacht might uh, encounter uh, an apparition of her future bridegroom, but she must resist the temptation to address him, for this would mean her death. While most all these superstitions have long been forgotten or fallen into disuse, one method of fortune-telling uh, long associated with the uh, Raunishta is still practiced, though usually in a more skeptically uh, playful spirit. And this is uh, bleigießen, or lead pouring, a type of uh, divination uh, or, uh, for discerning the future from shapes formed by molten lead cooled in water. While uh, largely unknown today, it's uh, been retained as a common New Year's Eve recreation in Germany and Austria and Switzerland and Scandinavian countries, and you can even buy little uh, kits for melting lead safely. Of all the terrors unleashed during the nights around Christmas, the most widespread in German-speaking lands was the fear of ghostly hordes in nocturnal processions dead souls solemnly walking or wildly riding, uh, the latter usually going under the name of Wild Hunt or Furious Army. Um, broadly amalgamating and sometimes blurring together elements of hunting and uh, diabolical hunters, uh, slain warriors and lost souls, um, stories of ghost hordes are widely dispersed across Central Europe, Scandinavia, the British Isles, and even North America, where the spirits appear in uh, cowboy legends and made their way into the uh, 1940s country western ballad, Ghost Riders in the Sky. The term hunt, wild hunt, and army, furious army, can sometimes be misleading. The prey hunted by the wild hunter, Wildejager in German, um, if one is actually hunted at all, is rarely seen or, or specified. The German Jagd can also mean uh, chase, um, and so the word might better be understood as merely uh, describing the quality of the apparition's movement, a sort of racing stampede of figures chasing one behind another. And uh, likewise, the word here, which is used uh, for army, can also just mean a great number as in a, a horde. And it doesn't always designate a specifically military assembly. This usage is uh, 
evident in a sermon from 1508 by the... Uh, German preacher Johann Geiler von Kaiserberg, in which uh, he characterizes this uh, army or horde, not as fallen soldiers, but uh, otherwise. You ask, what shall I tell you about the wild army? But I cannot tell you very much, for you know much more of it than I. This is what the common man says. Those who die before the time God has fixed for them those who leave on a journey and are stabbed, hanged, or drowned must wander after death until there arrives the date that God has set for them. Those who wander are especially active during the Lenten days, and first and foremost during the lean times before Christmas, which is a sacred time. Slightly more martial, uh, and specifically mentioning dead soldiers, is um, this account from 1516 by uh, Strasbourg historian Jacques Trausch. At night the army hastens through the fields, playing drums and fifes, and also it travels through the towns, its members carrying lights and making loud cries. Such ghosts number sometimes 50 or 80 or even 100 or 200. One carries his head in his hands. Another carries a cross, or sometimes an arm, or a leg, depending on the manner in which each found his death in battle. They carry candles that cast enough light so that it is possible to recognize who they are and if they died in war or elsewhere. A man always preceded them, ceaselessly shouting, Make way! Make way! Lest you suffer! Where there is uh, little or no direct interaction with mortals, the company passes through at some elevation, either high above in the clouds or, quite typically, floating several feet above the ground. As these ghosts not infrequently remain invisible, eerie sounds may be all that characterizes the experience. Witnesses may find themselves enveloped by the sound of a sweet, otherworldly music, the clamor of a passing army, or the barking of invisible hunting dogs. Unsurprisingly, the sound of wind naturally howling through alpine peaks and ravines is often mentioned and said to assume a supernatural quality, betraying the passage of spirits. Because it was considered unlucky, or even lethal, to look upon uh, any class of these wandering specters, and because, uh, well, from an empirical perspective, sound uh, divorced from vision uh, leaves a little more room for the imagination. Uh, what was heard of these apparitions was often more uh, prominent in descriptions than what was actually seen or supposed to have been seen. A peculiar sound almost always anticipated the group, which itself might remain invisible. Uh, it is often described as musical. At times, it was the uh, militant sounds of drums and pipes, at others more uh, ethereal. Or it uh, may have come as... A droning murmur. Or... A strange hum like a buzzing of bees. Or... A song sounding like a song. Or... The rattling of bones and many voices in prayer. It could build to a crescendo described by one storyteller as... 
the music of a thousand instruments followed by the crash of a storm breaking through the oaks of the forest. Building finally to the noise of... A great rolling black coach in which hundreds of spirits sit joined in wondrous song. The Norse god Odin, or Wotan, is particularly associated with these winter apparitions. As a deity concerning himself with death and warfare, he is naturally connected with the Furious Army and serves as its most frequently named leader. His aggressive nature and traditional wolf companions, Geri and Freki, likewise associate him with the wild hunt and the ghostly hunting dogs that often precede it. As the ghostly entourage, more often than not, appears amid the clouds, Odin's role as god of the storms and winds further associates him with these apparitions. In the uh, German state of Mecklenburg, Vorpommern, the apparitions were reported with particular frequency. Around the town of Rostock, a professor Flöcke, writing for his local paper, reported in 1832, Our agrarian laborers who seek to profit from the cool of the evening air to bind the rye, were so terrified by the wild hunt that they could barely dare go into the fields, shivering all the while. First they heard the baying of hounds, which then mingled with the fairly harsh voices of men and others that were fairly sweet. They saw fires that passed rapidly through the air. Then, if they did not flee, the entire army paraded before them in a terrifying din made up of barking, instruments that sounded like hunting horns, and panting. Professor Flöcke followed the example of a pious preacher who convinced him that this was nothing other than the devil himself, accompanied by several fallen angels who took pleasure in frightening people. The devil, he said, took the form of Wotan, the old pagan god. Odin is not the only figure named as leader of these uh, clamorous spirits on horseback. Uh, in the case of ghosts recognizable as soldiers, the leader can be a historical warrior, as is the case with uh, Charles the Great, who rises from within Austria's Untersberg mountain to lead his ghostly army around the time of Christmas. In the case of a, a phantom hunting party, particularly in Thuringia, the uh, leader can be Holda, the goddess Holda, uh, thanks to her association with the huntress Diana. Further north, towards Scandinavia, the rider can be the uh, tragic and uh, vengeful Gudrun, or Krimhild, of the uh, Germanic Nibelungen legends. Local legends may also position a cursed nobleman as the uh, hunter. In the former northeastern German province of Pomerania, it was uh, Count von Erbenborg who was doomed to hunt forever. The story... Riding out one Sunday morning, rather than attending church, legend says the Count found two strangers in his hunting party, one angelic and the other devilish. While the angelic rider counseled Abenberg to return to the church services, the wicked mocked this and was soon joined by Abenberg in his ridicule. Eventually, the strangers vanished, and soon enough, the riders found their horses running, not on the ground, but with hooves upon the air, as the whole party was swept into the air, where they still ride today. 
More commonly, particularly in Westphalia and Lower Saxony, the hunter's name is uh, usually given as Hackelberg or something similar. Like uh, Count uh, Erbenburg, uh, he's often cursed to wander thanks to his disregard for the church. During the twelve nights of Christmas or during uh, thunderstorms, the sound of his hunting horn may be heard, and amid a pack of hellhounds, the figure may be seen upon a black steed with smoke trailing from glowing nostrils. Sometimes the party is preceded by uh, Ozel, a cute name for an owl inhabited by the soul of a nun whose dreadful singing in life approximated the hooting of that particular bird. Less aggressive than the hunters or warriors associated with Odin are the uh, night folk, or the Nacht folk, and, or night throng, Nachtschar, who um, appeared, especially around Christmas, in the Alpine area where southern Germany, uh, western Austria, and northern Switzerland all meet. Um, these uh, two names designate um, similar groups, and uh, some regional sources really don't differentiate, or also use the term uh, death folk, totenfolk, or death throng interchangeably. As these uh, specters are not hunters or warriors, they distinguish themselves by moving in a slower procession and on foot. Despite this, they are inescapable, and their movements may inexorably follow given paths. Obstructing their progression is dangerous. Doors on opposite sides of a house must sometimes be left open to create a ghostly throughway, and tales are told of the various damages done to houses not prepared in this way, or of houses blown down entirely if uh, constructed on a route known to be one followed by the spirits. The same is often said of obstructing the wild hunt. A few tales of the night folk from a volume of Austrian legends collected in 1911 uh, illustrates more of their characteristics. The first is told of a wanderer in uh, western Austria's uh, Vorarlberg uh, region. On a moonlit night, a farmer from Montavon arrived in a nearby ravine and sat down upon a stone to rest and drawing out his mouth harp, he played to pass the time. Then, all at once, the night folk appeared in a long procession, moving through the ravine. A shadowy figure stepped up to the farmer and said, Here now, if you choose, I can instruct you to play so beautifully, the pine cones will rise and dance round about us. That would please me, replied the musician. Scarcely had the lessons begun, when from the throng emerged a woman who drew the shadowy figure back into the crowd, whispering to him, Come, this one is not worth your time. Only this morning he has taken holy water. Lone Wanderer crossed himself, realizing with horror the danger he had so narrowly escaped. Bestowing a supernatural music ability is a uh, particularly distinctive trait of the night folk. As with the shadowy figure in our tale, uh, they are usually described as uh, black silhouettes or maybe dressed in black like priests. They produce striking music, sometimes described as uh, heavenly or 
uh, as if the angels were playing, but it's often used as the tool of seduction for those they would abduct from among the living. Uh, they may hold nocturnal revels similar to those of the witches, often in isolated wilderness areas, but occasionally closer to areas of human habitation, or even during the day, as in this uh, tale from um, the uh, book, I, from the volume I just mentioned. Once the night folk appeared in the tiny hamlet of Walzertala during daylight hours to hold a merry feast. While mass was being said in a nearby church, they snatched a farmer's finest cow from the stable and hurriedly slaughtered and consumed it amid dancing, shouting, and the sweet sounds of stringed instruments. To the children who had remained in the house, the night folk kindly gave some of their meal but warned them not to break or discard the leg bones. After the meal, all the bones were collected but one, which despite all the searching could not be found. Then they wrapped the remains in the skin of the slaughtered animal and declared that because of this, the cow will limp home. When the night folk had withdrawn, the living cow again stood in its stall as before, but, thereafter dragged one of its feet. A final story for this episode. This one comes from uh, the uh, Swiss canton of St. Gallen, where the ghosts tended to blind or abduct witnesses, and often through their appearance heralded death or epidemics. Uh, seeing living beings amid the throng of ghosts never bade well, as in this tale collected by the folklorist uh, Theodor Venerlaken in the uh, canton of Graubünden in uh, 1858. Midnight is the hour when the death folk move about. At their front, the bony figure of death, leading with his violin all those who will die within the year. At the time of the plague, known as the Black Death, a man in the Churvalder Valley heard by night a soft music passing close. He leapt up, and throwing one leg through his pants, rushed to the window, flung back the curtains, and saw the death folk. Among them were many of his acquaintances, and there at the end of their train, with pants pulled over one leg only, he himself. Pale and rigid with terror, he sank back, knowing that he would be the last of all to die of the plague. And that is how it happened. I do hope you've all been enjoying our shows and will continue listening and uh, tell your friends about what we uh, do here. Uh, we particularly appreciate reviews from those of you who enjoy the show. Uh, they really make all the difference for the show's uh, visibility on uh, Apple Podcasts and other distributors. Our uh, website, uh, Bone and Sickle, provides links to our Facebook group and Twitter, along with show notes uh, replete with images and uh, video links to any uh, outside music or clips used in the program. Um, music and sound design otherwise are all original for this show. And by the way, I'll be doing some Krampus-oriented talks at events in California and Arizona, as well as organizing uh, Krampus events. If uh, this is of interest to you, uh, you can find more information on the website uh, also under the uh, events tab. And you can also find our uh, Patreon link there. 
Patreon members have a choice of gifts and incentives, including exclusive access to extra elements that go into the uh, making of the podcast, uh, digital downloads of rare books used in the preparation of the show, the show soundscapes you hear in the background, uh, and my Krampus book, as well as a signed 8x10 photo of Wilkinson, one suitable for framing and adulation. Uh, donation levels begin at $1 a month, and your support via Patreon is the sole support that makes possible the continuation of this program as a regular bi-monthly release. A special thanks to new patrons uh, Andrew Lindsay, uh, Joseph Griffith, Michael Libiter, and uh, Chris Kelly. I hope I had all your names right there. Um, the show is written and produced by me, Al Reitenauer, uh, Wilkinson is played by Rick Gallagher. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>